Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Have are bad people, and they will leave to go look for some good people. Another man will come in with those bad people and will do tremendous. And I believe that this is uh, uh, often, this flows out of a simple misunderstanding of what leadership is all about. And if you fail to understand how leadership works, how you lead people, you're going to struggle and you're going to come to the conclusion and say, I can't get people to. So I want to uh, preach a message I've entitled Leading People from 1 Peter chapter 5. This is uh, uh, Pastor Peter. He's writing to other pastors. And as he writes to them, he gives them some principles of leadership and how you lead people. 1 Peter 5 verse 1, the Bible says, The elders or the pastors uh, who are among you, I exhort. I also am a fellow elder or fellow pastor and a witness of the sufferings of of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, uh, nor as being lords or lording it over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Leading people, I want to uh, quickly lay a foundation before we look at the specifics of leadership. I want to look for a moment uh, about leadership. One of the major mistakes that are made uh, concerning leadership is that leadership is all about having power. There are disciples that assume that leadership is the ability to tell people what to do or to tell people off, and they dream of that day. When they finally are entrusted with a little bit of power, and by golly, now I get to tell people what to do. And so they are going to demand that people do right. They are going to order them to do right. One of our churches uh, uh, had a man that uh, his uh, moment, his dream arrived. He had been dreaming of this day to have a little bit of power. They were having an impact team and they asked him to drive the van. And brother, would you lead these people? And finally, uh, he's got a little bit of power. And so as they all got in the van, uh, he turned around to them. He said, listen. I want you to know the rules of this impact team in my van. He said, there's going to be no chewing gum in this van. I want you to turn your cell phones off. Nobody's going to be making calls on my van. 
And he went on and railed on them and told them the rules because now he had some power. And when they took off, they came to the first traffic light. Everybody opened the doors and jumped and ran away. This is a great mistake. That's what leadership is, is telling people what to do or telling people off. This, this sometimes comes out of a, a, a personal experiences that have left a, an impression on them. Maybe this is a personal rebuke. This, this fascinates me to, to see disciples that, you know, they got told off twice in 10 years by the pastor. And when they go out, the only thing they have in their mind are the two times the pastor told them off. And so that's what ministry is all about. Now that they're pastoring, they cannot wait until they get a few people so they can tell them off like they got told off. Or what sticks in their mind is the hard sermons. This is uh, unfortunate sometimes. Uh, we talk about the, the classics and the masterpieces uh, that stand out in our mind. And unfortunately, uh, often what stands out in people's minds uh, is, the, is the blasting sermons uh, that we have heard. Uh, you know, uh, Brother Campbell, he probably has an entire file full of masterpieces uh, on, on the flesh. Surely there can be no one in Chandler has any flesh left. I mean, he can bring it down and he can take his glasses off. Oh, and I tell you what, I mean, you're feeling it. Pastor Olson did a, a, a discipleship in Prescott and he had his sword and he puts that in there. To, these are things that leave an impression. Of, and then um, some brother, he goes out to Pioneer uh, and he has uh, single mothers and little old ladies uh, and he wants to bring Pastor Olson's sword. <laughs> Listen, Grandma, why were you not on outreach? Just because you're 86? Are you committed to this church or not? They forget that many of the blasting sermons have occurred in conferences, in men's discipleship classes, or in specific seasons when the church was threatened and failed to translate that into anything. That is what leadership is all about, is laying down the law. But you know, the problem with that is that produces very ineffective ministry. And they come to this conclusion, I can't get people to follow. I lay down the law and they don't do it. I got the sword and they don't do it. 1 Peter 5 verse 3 and the verse we read, Do not lord it over the people assigned to your care. To lord it over means to hold in subjection or to be the master of. When we did the, uh, uh, the first uh, uh, sermon crafting seminar, one of the pastors there, I have no idea who he is, maybe he was even here today, but uh, one of the brothers, very honest, he said, how do you encourage uh, 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 people in sermons? He says, in all my sermons, I always seem to be sending my people to hell. And he was on it, but you know, the problem is he's speaking out of frustration. Though he's sending them to hell, they're not doing what he's saying. And he's frustrated by this because he thinks that leadership, if you lay down the law, why won't they do it? 
There is a time to lay down the law. There's a time to confront. But listen to me. I'm going to give you something profound here. An important word in leadership. Are you ready for it? It is the word lead. Is that powerful or what? Yes, Lord. Lead means to bring out, to be ahead of, or to be in front of. In our scripture, Peter is writing to pastors, and he writes, and he says, I'm writing to shepherds. Elders are pastors. He speaks about the chief shepherd or the over-shepherd. He is saying here that pastors are shepherds. Psalm 78, verse 70 through 72, he chose David and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded the people with integrity of heart and skillful hands. He led them. Listen to me. It's not an accident that God calls his people sheep. It's not an accident that he calls pastors shepherds because God knows what will work with people. Listen to me. You lead sheep. You drive cattle. And that is a powerful difference. This is why many pastors say, I can't get people. Listen, you get behind a cow, pull out the whip, and you drive them. But God did not say, get along, little doggie. That's not what he said. He said, lead the sheep, because this is the essence of leadership. Now, having laid that foundation, I want you to look at three ways you lead people. Number one, you lead people by revelation. This is how you lead people. The absolute foundation of the kingdom of God has to do with revelation. Matthew 16, here's the foundation of the church that Jesus lays down. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now Jesus says something powerful here. He says, Peter, God revealed it. We say, uh, as the saying here in America, he got it. Peter, you get it. He did not say, Peter, you will. That is not what he says here. He says, God has shown it to you. It was a supernatural miracle. Listen, you cannot arrange revelation. You cannot demand revelation. You cannot order that people get it. Is God must reveal it. And if he does not reveal it, you are going to struggle to take them any place. We had a man a few weeks ago came into church at a Sunday morning service and said to Pastor Mitchell, he said, I did it. I killed it. Pastor said, you killed what? He said, my 42-inch flat screen TV. Now, this man has been in the church, I don't know, probably 25 years. How many sermons do you think he's heard on the flesh and carnality and TVs in that time? But one day, flesh and blood did not reveal it, but the Father in heaven, 
He didn't even sell it. He killed it. You lead by revelation. What that means, listen to me here, you cannot move people beyond their level of revelation. You cannot take them beyond the level to which they get it. In that scripture in Matthew 16, Jesus has never spoken of the cross at all until this day. And when Peter says, you are the Messiah, he says, you get it, flesh and blood. Now that you get it, let me tell you, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. He never said a word about the cross until there was revelation and he was ready for it. The old saying is truth is more caught than taught. Two practical aspects of revelation. Number one, you have to allow for differences in people. In any crowd, you will have people that will be at all different levels and all different speeds. And you make a terrible mistake in working with people if you demand that everybody run at the same speed and be at the same level. They are not In the Prescott Church, we have red-hot disciples. We have people who couldn't find their behind with a map and radar. We have people who are doing well if they come to church once every two weeks. That is the best of their ability. We have people that you would think it's the end of the world if they ever miss church. All different speeds and levels, and you have to allow for that. This is critical if you're going to lead people here, is that you have to allow. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. He didn't say that Matthew gets it and Andrew gets it. He said, you get it. And there is a difference here. This is a critical understanding you have to allow. I've just noticed something over time. I made a correlation. That is that people who get saved and do fantastic from day one, never miss a service, those glorious converts, often they are the most deadly in working with people. Because they think everybody has to be like them. I got saved and I never missed a service, brother. Well, that's great. Listen, I got saved and for three years I was barely saved. I quit all the major sin. There was one guy one time we had a, uh, uh, I was a, uh, a concert director and we used to have a, you know, a, how's this convert doing? And every guy, every convert I'd ask, how's it? Ah, they're a flake. What about that? They don't want to serve God. Finally, I said, brother, I thank God you never followed up on me. Because you'd have thrown me in hell long ago. You must allow for differences in people. Number two, you have to develop sensitivity in timing. This is what revelation is all about. You have to know when to speak and when to act. This is crucial. Listen, you can do the right thing at the wrong time and it will still kill. You got a lady in our church, uh, uh, Sister Marcia Foster, that she has been very ill battling uh, uh, cancer and heart problems. There was a time the doctor said to her, uh, you need to have a surgery. But he said, if I give you the surgery now, it'll kill you. We have to wait and get you stronger. You need the surgery. There is no doubt, but I cannot give it to you now. 
This is critical in working with people uh, is you have to know there are errors of timing uh, and you cannot give the right thing before people are ready for it. In the first uh, uh, church that Lisa and I pastored, we pioneered in Launceston, Tasmania. This is a, uh, a city in Australia. Two of our first converts, a husband and wife, uh, uh, got saved. The, the wife did better than the husband initially, but she was the incredible Catholic. You know, we'd be in Bible study. She would go to Mass at 8 o'clock, and then she'd come to church at our service. We'd be in Bible study, and she, she had, uh, you know, rosaries and crucifixes and scapulas. Bible study, she'd pull out, a, she had a picture in there, a shroud of Turin. You want to see that? Doesn't that look like Jesus? That's a shroud of Turin. That's Jesus. Thank you very much. It, the house was filled with idols, and we began to speak to her. She was not into this, man. The husband, he got saved, and the pride and joy of his life is that he had collected beer from every nation of the world. It, from floor to ceiling in the basement of their uh, home, it, from floor to ceiling, it covered the wall. Name a country, he'll show you the beer. That was his pride and joy. I'm talking to him about alcohol. <laughs> no, 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 no. He loved that beer. And so I waited and I prayed. Did he need to get rid of his beer? Absolutely. Did the idols need to go? Yes, but they were not ready. One the morning I preached a sermon. And I have no idea what I, uh, what I preached, but in the night... They came up, the husband, the wife, and the brother who was also said, we want to thank you for that sermon that you preached this morning. I said, oh, oh, that's great. We went home and we tore down every idol in the house, put them in a bag and threw them away. I'm looking at the sermon. It's like, what did I say? <laughs> Flesh and blood revealed it. The next day, he called me up. He said, what are you doing? Do you want to go shooting? Ah, what do you want to shoot? He goes, I want to shoot up my booze collection. I'll be right over. <laughs> we took every can of beer, every bottle of whiskey out in the woods and shot it up because flesh and blood revealed it. That couple went on to pastor, to, went into the ministry. You lead people by revelation. This is what our brothers were talking about. This meshes well. That means one of the major ministries that we have in life is in the church, especially as pastors, is the work of the ministry of prayer so that they will catch it. So that their eyes will be opened, they will get revelation. This is why over and over again, Paul prays for revelation. Ephesians 1, 16 through 18, I have not stopped remembering you in my prayers, asking that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. He says, I am praying that you will get it. This is the mistake people make. Disciples, I want to be effective. And in follow-up, they assume that follow-up is telling people, come to church. Only to discover, Pat, they don't want to come. There's a few hundred things that we don't do around here. 
in which the real work is to pray they get it because if they don't get it, I don't care how much you order it. It will not happen. There's a second way you lead. You lead by inspiration. There's a powerful tool of leadership. It has to do with inspiration. To inspire means to breathe. It talks about an animating, enlivening, or exalting influence. It's talking about something that motivates from the inside. And inspiration is closely linked to vision, literally to see pictures of the possibilities of your life. This is what Jesus used. Matthew 4, 19 and 20, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is a powerful thing. He's talking to them. This is just, give, this is just encapsulating the conversations that they were having. In other words, he was telling them, you know what? Your life can be more than fish. Your life can be more than making money, having a business. He says, you can change people's lives. And he's holding, he's inspiring them. Uh, This is a powerful tool of leadership because when people are inspired, they're willing to make the difficult decisions necessary to bring about vision. Pastor Olson quoted Proverbs 29, 18. And in the NIV, it says, where there is no revelation. The King James says vision, the people perish. But the NIV says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. There's something that vision does is it causes people to be willing to restrain certain desires and it affects their decisions in life. I preached in in, uh, uh, Chandler here a a sermon entitled The Heavenly Vision. I simply told the story of of the fellowship and in that I told of how I was called into the ministry. Where that came from is that Pastor Tom Payne, a friend of mine, we were talking one day and we were talking about how we were called into the ministry. How did you get called and how I got called? We were talking about this in the context of working with disciples. And what we realized is that we were inspired into calling. I, I, did, I did not harness myself to calling because Pastor Mitchell said, you slug, you better. That was, that was not it. I was inspired. I told in that sermon uh, uh, about uh, that we're having uh, in Perth, West Australia, he had a map of Australia asking people, where do you want to see a church? And they're sticking pins in a map. I find it interesting. Pastor Olson talked about the map and there was something there that gripped my heart. Maybe one of those cities could be for me. It was inspiring to me that God spoke to my heart. That is what I want you to do. And inspiration, listen to me, especially if you're going to lead men, men respond to a challenge. Think about the stupid things that men do. I bet you can't. I bet I can't. Think think about the world record, man, swallowing goldfish. Now, there's a powerful record in life. I bet a couple of drunk dudes thought that one up. (laughs) 
how many goldfish you think you can swallow? I bet I can swallow more than you. Because there, there's something built into men. They respond to a challenge. Last year, I was preaching a Pioneer Rally in, in San Jose, California. One of the men was giving a report like we had last night, and he, he told the most interesting story to me. He said he had a, a young teenager. He said this kid had attitude. He was one of those that, that you, your hand itched when you got around him. He said this kid bugged him, causing pro- had an attitude problem in the entire time, and he said he took this kid aside. Now, I'm waiting for it, man. I'm waiting to hear what it is. He said he put his finger in his chest and he said, son, I can see you in a suit and tie as an usher. He said, I can see you being a man of God. And he said the next service, instead of his wrap or heavy metal T-shirt, he went and bought a suit and showed up in a suit because he was inspired for something that his life can become. Listen to me. In preaching, we deal with issues. In our fellowship, we are proud of the fact that we're not afraid to call sin, sin. That we get in people's faces. We discipline. We do what's necessary. We will chop wood. But do not ever lose sight of the power of inspiration. Life cannot be just a list of things that people have to do or they cannot do. You lead by inspiration. One last thought is you lead by example. Let me say this. We will never get people to rise above our own example. We must model and demonstrate what it is we want people to be. Back to our verse. Verse 3, not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock. This word example is a word that we would use in modern days in in machining or manufacturing. It's a type, a die, or a stamp. It's something that reproduces the original. This is very, very simple, but I want to say this. We're always going to be frustrated if we're not setting a good example. Two things happen in life. Number one, if we're not setting a good example, our actions will completely negate all of our words. If you are saying the right thing, but living otherwise, you just killed everything you said. One of the most frightening statements I have ever heard in my life Somebody that I know very close to, very lazy man. He borrowed a sermon as he usually did in those days. Preached a sermon that was very, very good. Two ladies were overheard talking in the nursery. They said, what did he preach? She laid out what he preached. She said, it was a tremendous sermon. It's a pity that he preached it. Because she knew that he lived exactly opposite of everything he had just preached. So though it was from the Bible, though it was true, he had just wiped out everything he said. That is the power of an example. Number two is that the way that we live, it goes beyond even what people can observe. 
If they observe us doing opposite to what we say, then, of course, that will kill it. But listen to me. When we speak words and spirit, what we are, they are intertwined. What we are comes out. What we are is transmitted even if we don't want it to. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that means if we are living something different than what we say, and the people do not even know it, it still will be negating our words. I'll never forget, I was a concert director in Perth, West Australia. This is 1985. One day I'm with Pastor Mitchell. He gets a call from a man who's pioneering a church, and he was a frustrated pioneer like many pioneers are. And he was whining and complaining, I can't get these people to give. These people won't give money. How do I get people to give? So I'm listening to Pastor Mitchell's end of the conversation. He's uh, trying to help this man. He's puzzling, well, are you preaching on money? And I can hear this. This man's irritated. Of course I'm preaching on money. On tithing. Pastor Mitchell is asking, well, are you taking offerings? Yes, I'm taking offerings, but they won't give in the offerings. And, you know, he's, uh, I can hear Pastor Mitchell, he's, he's kind of racking his brain. And then he says, well, I mean, uh, uh, of course, you're tithing, right? And there's silence. The pastor wasn't tithing. <laughs> but listen to me. Nobody in the church knew that but him and his wife because they were the ones who counted the offering. So think about this. They don't even know it. He is standing saying, you need to tithe. And it's true. Shall a man rob God? And it's from the Bible. But what he was was transmitted every time he took an offering every time he preached, every time he challenged, and he did not understand, you will never get people to rise above the level of your own example. Let me ask you something as we close. Two simple questions. Disciple is a pioneering rally. We're challenging people to lay down their lives and do the will of God. There are disciples here. You cannot wait. Oh, I cannot wait until the day at a conference they announce my name. Some of you are from Chandler. You cannot wait. You're going to walk down this very aisle. You're going to stand on this stage. They're going to lay hands and my day is going to arrive. I have one simple question for you. You want to do that someday? My question is this. Are you doing now what you should do then? There's many disciples, Pastor, if there's any opportunity, I I am willing. Well, that would be tremendous. Why don't you go on outreach? Pastor, if you need anybody. I would really like you to be in prayer. Pastor, one day I'm going to pioneer. I'm going to be willing to work with you. I've never seen you work with anybody yet. My second question follows on that is, 
If we had an entire church of people just like you, would the church have any money? Would anyone pray? If all we had was 400 U's, <laughs> would anybody be on outreach? Would anybody be following us? See, this is the mistake of discipleship. I want to pioneer someday. I want to lead people someday. Listen, what are you right now? You don't pluck somebody. I know you don't pray. You, you don't read your Bible. Never going out. You don't work with anybody. But let's, let's make you el pastor, man of God. You know what you'll do is you'll do exactly what you were before only a lot more expensive. And many men like that go out and assume that they're going to make up for all that by ordering it. You better change. and You better. And the Bible says you lead people by revelation, by inspiration, and by example, let's bow our heads. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.